Log Talk Radio. Hi, this is uh, Jim Kaczynski in L.A. along with Sid Ziegler, also in L.A. I'm not sure why I keep saying we're in L.A. since everybody knows we're in L.A., but... Um, Welcome to our latest Outsports podcast. Sid, NFL training camp started today. I know. I got excited. I, I tweeted it out that I, it just kind of hit me watching NFL Network that football is back. And all those like hopes and dreams we have for our team for the next season, it all starts now. Well, I made the mistake of turning on NFL Network right when they were showing the Super Bowl from last year, so I like literally hit the previous button on the channel to get to <laughs> get off it. Be reminded well, of that debacle. <laughs> it's weird the Broncos showed the game to the team when they got when they got in uh, for their first meetings in the off season. I thought that was. Well, the last um, it was no, it was the last day of minicamp. They made everybody watch it, and they said, you know, you're uh-huh. never going. You got to see what you did wrong, or try to see what you did wrong, and leave a bad taste in your mouth right before they went on their whatever four-week vacation. Oh, imagine that! As a, have a nightmare before your four-week <laughs> vacation. So, but it's uh, God, it's almost around the corner, and that has uh, been again a big topic of conversation this week. The NFL, and especially Michael Sam, and. Our good friend Tony Dungy could not keep his mouth shut about this. And <laughs> did you? Uh, I, I sent it to you. I had, I had to get off to my other job Monday, and I, what did I write you an email? And simply said, "Could you please rip Tony Dungy?" <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, yeah. It. it uh, yeah, I had already kind of got had gotten on my radar screen. I think I got about eight text messages and emails and then about a half hour like, Did you see what he said this time, Rob? Yep. People were pissed and understandably it's I know Dungey has tried to quote unquote walk back some of his comments, talk about how it's all about Oprah Winfrey and T V show, but at the end of the day uh, you know, there are so many holes in his story and so many logic arguments. I, I think he doesn't even realize that it's because Michael Sam is gay that he doesn't want him on his team. Yeah, I mean, let's tell people again what he said specifically, or what he said the first time. Well, which first time? Well, the very first thing that he said to the Tampa Bay uh, paper that got, you know, all the hubbub. Uh, he just he said that he wouldn't have drafted Michael Sam and that Michael Sam uh, and and that and that well it, it he didn't want to deal with it and that it wasn't going to be smooth as though NFL teams are ever smooth so that's what he said I mean he didn't want to draft Michael Sam because he didn't want to deal with it yeah and it was weird he like he. Because it would be all the, well, again, it was distractions. Um, it was this idea of, you know, that the media attended. He tried to make it sound like it was everything, but it really was, which for Tony Dungy was the gay thing. And then I think he was surprised by how much pushback there was. Because there was a lot of pushback. I mean, yeah. I read so many columns and so many people just ripping him 
for somebody said basically for being in any many ways a, a coward. Why not he simply come out and say I have a problem with gay people? Like this is a guy who was the biggest advocate, I think rightfully so, for Michael Vick when he was trying to get back into football after his, you know, conviction for, you know, the dog fighting ring. And you think about you talk about a distraction. Michael Vick had people protesting. It was a huge story. And yet Tony Dungy had no problem with that distraction. But Michael Sam would have been somebody he would have shied away from. So it's it's really telling a lot about Tony. Hey, Jim, quick aside here. Uh, this is a live show, and Jim just tweeted an incredible photograph of some uh, some naked rowers from Warwick Rowing. But as people often do, I get two and two. I just get them mixed up all the time, but use the wrong there. So oh, just, good lord! Could you pick go in and, before that gets retweeted a hundred thousand times? You just go in and delete it. And Could you? Are you, are you are you up on Twitter? Well, I can't. I don't have the. I don't have the thing on my. Oh. Are you? I don't have the photograph. Oh, this is. Well, <laughs> this is what. Well, uh, you're right. Oh, God, that's embarrassing. embarrassing. Well, how do you delete a tweet? <laughs> just go into the. Under the tweet, there's a little trash can. Just hit delete and then and then rewrite it and attach and oh, and, and well, it'll that's be fine. Welcome right. to live radio. Yes, exactly. Well, thanks. Oh, God, I you know I'm an editor by trade and I just whip this thing out to get on this. Uh, well, thanks for catching it. <laughs> but that happens all the time. I, I I write the wrong one all the time. So well, it, I write it when I'm. Uh, I, I hate like when people. I'm in, I run a pool called the Losers Pool. Drives me nuts when people type loser. L O O S E R. Well, well, and even worse in the losers pool, some people, it's this pool that every week you have to pick a loser in the NFL, and uh, so often people will pick the winning team. Like a team will be favored by 11, and they'll pick that team as their loser accidentally. That's that's an even worse mistake because it costs them money. Yes. So, (laughs) speaking of, I'm getting that pool set up, so. Yeah, uh, always. But back to Tony Dungy. <laughs> uh, well, he, well, the, the, for me, you know, he says this thing, and then he releases his excuse slash explanation. Um, and the explanation is, oh, this was right after the Oprah Winfrey show was announced, and one, it wasn't right after it was announced. In fact, it was six weeks after the show was. Can't announce to be canceled, and number two, Tony Dungy supported Michael Vick when Michael Vick had a documentary TV crew following him as well, and Tony Dungy didn't have a problem with it then. So I, I just people keep saying, "Oh, well, it's not because he's gay; it's because of distraction." You have to get rid of all that, uh, everything but the gay part, because there are holes in every other explanation that Tony Dungy has offered, other than Michael Sam is gay and he doesn't want him on his team. Well, especially since he said, um, when he tried to backtrack yesterday, he said, like, I, I wish him, I hope he does well. Well, I don't approve of his lifestyle, yeah. but I still support him. And as soon as he said that, it's like, you know, and, and he and he could not resist talking about the religion either. Right, exactly. Meaning that defending the religion, and so it just, um, it's pretty clear of what this is all about. But Tony is stubborn, and in a sense, I'm kind of glad he did it. I think it it flushes, flushes people like this out, 
And I wrote a column saying probably among some people in the NFL it may not be a minority view. I think among the players it is. Uh, clearly among the players I think it's more of a minority view, but I think a lot of these front office people probably in many ways agree with them. Mm-hmm. But they won't say it publicly. Right. But is it, it is you want to call in and he, talk he, about oh, if you want to call and talk about Tony Dungy, the number is three four seven nine four five seven eight three four. We'll be talking Dungy, Michael Sam and David Tyree of the Giants. Just more on live radio. I posted the same thing on those the Warwick Rowers. It's it's a it's a rowing club in England that raises money for charity, including homophobia and sports, and they run these naked calendars that are wonderful. I just posted on Facebook and had deleted because Facebook would delete anything that shows a butt. Well, there's no butt in that photograph. Well, I had to crop it and use it use a picture that was less buttable. It just no, they've done it before. It's a oh. weird Facebook has weird rules on that. They had people had couldn't even post pictures of their baby, you know, they're, they're six month old because it showed her bare bottom. <laughs> it's just anyway. So what are we talking about? We're talking about Tony Dungy. <laughs> but I do think it's great. It shows how the landscape has changed because he took so much criticism for this. I didn't see any columnist I read that actually defended his comp I saw a lot of people on message boards defend it, but those are message board people, but he got really slammed by kind of everybody about this, and I, I think it really probably took him by surprise, because he's so used to having everyone fall over themselves praising him for what he does. Well, because because people talk about what a character guy is, and how upstanding he is, and uh, and yeah, he was the first black head coach to win the Super Bowl, which is amazing, and, and, and groundbreaking, and, and then he goes, and they just... He, they, these guys just won't let go of what they've been told about the Bible and gay people all their lives. They just won't let it go, and they won't let it fade into the into the the background. Like they just have to make it front and center. They have to insist. Nope. Just 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 a reminder. I still oppose his quote unquote lifestyle. They just can't. They just can't let it go. Well, because people like Tony really believe what he believes. I mean, he's just, to him, it's like, you know, there's not even a debate. The Bible says this about gay people. And, you know, I'd love to have him talk with our good friend Josh Sanders, who knows religion sort of like, you know, as as he said, I can talk the Bible to everybody. Josh has been through reparative therapy. You know, it's been a whole thing for Josh. So I'd love to see him in a discussion with Tony Dungy on homosexuality to see if if Dungy would see anything Josh would say or simply would, you know, kind of cling to his his beliefs on this. <clears throat> right. Um, yeah, well, with Jeff, go ahead. What Jeff Fisher said about the distractions, he said, yeah, we maybe had one or two more cameras at a practice. We've had some people ask him questions. It's not a distraction. And that's what we've been saying for years. All you, That's all you're ever going to get. That's all you're ever going to get is some extra questions and some extra cameras, and that's it. But people are just crazy about it. Well, Brandon McCarthy, the former A's pitcher now with the Yankees, had a great take on that, the whole distraction thing. He said, listen, if if the media keeps asking the same questions over and over again, they become a-holes. He said, you know, at a certain point you can't, as we said, what can you ask Michael – at a certain point that it hasn't already been asked. So you run out of things to right. say. Michael's right. not going to, you know, 
sexually assault a teammate in front, you know, like it's just it's the kind of weird stuff. Like, what are people? What's the distraction after you get done asking a question? Michael gives a press conference. Okay, fine, I'm done. It's kind of Jason Collins was that way with the Nets. They had press conferences at every city, and at about the third or fourth one, people stopped asking questions because oh, he said that two days ago. He said that three days ago. It's like there's nothing new beyond the fact of his sexual orientation. So. Yeah, well, of course, and and I remember again. I've told the story many times, and I'm going to keep telling it. How the New York New York reporter called me frustrated about Game Four or Five of Jason's game because he, because Jason like didn't want to talk to him about gay issues anymore. And I said, what question do you have that he has not answered five times already? What could you possibly ask him? And the guy said, you know, you're right. It just it's it's a non-story now. It's a it's a Michael Sam sexual orientation. It's going to be the first game, the first preseason game, the first game, and then it's over. It's over. And Michael Sam's first preseason game uh, be in two weeks. Yes, I will be there. I'm going to St. Louis to check it out, and I can't wait to talk to fans and and talk to some of the uh, hopefully some of the coaches and some of the players just. Not not just about this, but I want to ask talk to them about everything around it, like what it means for the city of St. Louis to be suddenly in the middle of this this human rights issue in sports. I think to me it's to me that's that's a fascinating part of it. Um, and who they be playing? The Saints. They're playing the Saints, yeah. And then we'll see if he makes the team. Well, depending on who you ask, his chances are just about zero, or they're very good. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens. I I, I don't know. I, I have a good feeling that he'll that he's got at least got a great shot. Yeah, I it think just seems everybody so I, focused. Mm-hmm. But then you know, it's interesting. The stuff Fisher was say, sort of the couch it now. You know, like uh, well, we have fourteen people competing for this position, and it just it's like it's interesting how they're kind of letting people know that. I think maybe because people assume he's already on the team, people who aren't sports fans, you know, or casual fans may assume he's already made the team, and it's like they have to keep telling people, uh, no, he actually hasn't made the team. God, I think people think he's automatically on the team. I feel like people, well, people, sports people think he's automatically off the team. So, <laughs> Well, I just think I've you know, casually heard people talk about as if it's a done, as it's simply he's already on the team. You know, like, well, the Rams wouldn't have drafted him if they didn't want to keep him. Well, maybe, but he still has to, you know, show himself. So, I have talked to a couple of people who said they 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 were going to go to his first game, and I said uh, you might want to hold off on the tickets just yet. I I'm confident he's going to make the team. I think he will, um, but you never know. He might get injured. And, and yeah, well, I know both of us horrible. plan on being at the first game, and it's kind of like we can't buy any, we can't book any flights or anything until we're certain. Of course, if, they, if he is on the team, they better not put him on the inactive list for that day. Right. And right, you never know. You can't, <laughs> you can't, you can't plan around uh, making flight arrangements at whatever 11 a.m. Eastern on that Sunday. At some point, you got to commit to going or not, whether he's yeah. whether he makes the game day roster or not. That would be I mean, that, see. That's an interesting one. If he does make the team, 
I mean, how much pressure do the Rams have to put him on that roster? Like, the, put it, get him on that field that day to to have him play, the, get the team all the hype of the first game. That is, and then hey, he's inactive. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of it depends on what their other needs are injury wise. Because if they're thin on the offensive line and they're loaded, they have more than enough defensive linemen, and he's like the last guy on the defensive line. To the, I think ultimately they're going to want to win the game because it's for real. Um, so I'm not sure they would, you know, these these coaches treat these inactive things pretty seriously. So it's not like, oh, we'll just keep them on the roster. We'll keep them on the active list just for the day. They, you know. But, again, if it's, if they're thin on the defensive line, then, yeah, absolutely he'll be one of the guys. With all that said, I can't imagine them keeping him off that <laughs> game day roster. Well, just because it gets it done with. You sort of have him, you, you, inter- you insert him at some point in the game, he plays, it becomes a Twitter moment of, you know, and then they move on. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you. Um, speaking of moving on, there was another story this week involving the New York Giants uh, hiring David Tyree as, was it direct? I don't want to get his title wrong, director of player development? Yeah, I think that's right, yep. And Tyree's known uh, by Patriots fan as, uh, for his catching the ball with his helmet in the Boo. Super Bowl and <laughs> after the 2007 season. Probably the single most amazing play in Super Bowl history in terms of just how freaky it was. But also for being a very strong opponent of gay marriage and for having tweets out supporting what seemed to be supporting reparative therapy. And they've taken some people taking him the task and uh, – what do you know about this? Because I know Wade Davis has been supportive of Tyree. Says he's changed. Yeah, Wade says he's Wade says that he sings a different tune now, and that, those comments were from three and a half years ago. So, um, you know, I he says he's changed. I know I know my dad changed. My dad changed over the course of three years considerably, and I I certainly believe that David Tyree, you know, maybe he thinks that same-sex marriage is wrong right now. It's very tough for me to sit here and say that somebody should be fired for for having a position on this hot political topic, even though I think 20, 30 years from now he'll look back and say, wow, what an idiot I was. Um, but really, the, the comments from three years ago that have people up in a tizzy are the stuff about people being able to change from being gay that he he knows some former homosexuals and he knows that they can change and that's that's the real question that that people want to people want to know what he thinks now and he's going to have to tell us so i i think that today or tomorrow we're going to get some insight from wade uh as to what he thinks now what david tyree really believes now and and how that could or could not affect his role with the Giants. Well, what is the sense? I mean, I always get a little, uh, as a someone who believes clearly in free speech and, you know, people having their own views of, should he be, like, HR, was it HRC that said he should be fired or the Giants should make yeah. a statement about it? But I kind of get a little bit nervous about this idea of firing people because they have a certain view you know that I disagree with in this case. It's not like he's saying gay people. You know, I mean, just I don't know. Am I am I really being obtuse on this or? 
I don't think so, and I don't think HRC called for him to be fired. I don't think they really made a call to action. They simply they said that this is essentially outrageous, and and I think they you know they want an explanation or they were raising awareness that the Giants had had done this. Uh, I think certainly the it's it's easy to make take the next step and say you know they were calling for him to be fired. I don't think they specifically were though lacking some call to action it's it's hard to see what they were calling for if they weren't calling for his employment to change i think for me it, it de- depends to an extent for example somebody says listen i'm just i'm against same sex marriage uh it's very hard for me right now to say that that person should be fired somebody says that i don't believe that gay people belong in the nfl i don't think that a locker room is the right place for them i think they should stay out of sports and he's the director of player personnel for, uh, or player development for the Giants. Yeah, that guy should not have that job. So I think it just depends on what we're talking about. General ideas of or uncomfortableness with same-sex marriage is very different from I believe that gay people should be turned into straight people. Like that's those are two very different things. Yeah, and also if he was the head of diversity for the New York Giants, I would say no, he shouldn't have that job. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, meaning that I think there's certain things like that. But yeah, in this case, uh, I, I think it would be interesting to see because what he said, because Wade has been kind of out there in in social media saying that you know he kind of has his back, and I'm curious to see if Tyree's going to issue some statement uh, or not on it. Well, he's going to have to say something because with, without some kind of explanation. Uh, it's it's legitimate to believe that he still believes the same thing or would say the same thing. Uh, though, you know, for me, I want to give him a little bit of time. I mean, this was happened on, I think, Tuesday or, or was it yesterday, whatever day it was, and I'm just, you know, by the end of the week, I want to hear something. If not, I'm assuming that he still believes that, and that's a problem. And so what... Um no, did Kyrie? Say, what did he say about repair of theory? Did he simply retweet something about it? He, oh God, I, I know he said that he be, he believes in it, that he believes that gay people can turn straight, that he knows some former homosexuals. Um, I think he retweeted a study about how it's effective or something. I can't remember, but there were there were pretty clear links between him and this idea that. You, you, gay people can and should be turned straight. There was—I don't think that's being debated. I think it's pretty clear that he—he he at least espoused some view of that sort. It's interesting. The Giants have been one of the forefront organizations of the NFL, going back several years on this. With the ownership, um, I mean, Steve Tisch is—you know—big supporter of the gay community and gay marriage. So, I'm kind of interesting to see what they're what internal debates have happened within the Giants because they're organizationally they've been they've been great on the issue. Yeah, um, the, the Tisch family has supported LGBT people since the 80s. In fact, the building that the gay men's health crisis is housed in is called the Tisch building. So the the ownership has a a decades-long history of supporting the community. I know Pat Hanlon from the 
the John, the, remember when the Gay Bowl was in New York, we had an employee from the Giants who's an out lesbian come and talk on a panel, and the Giants got her a car and 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 sent and uh, and paid for her to come into the city for the evening, and they were a hundred percent supportive. And Pat Hanlon has been just amazing with me inviting the New York Warriors to come up to training camp in Albany and, and hosting us you know, VIP treatment. So it was, and he's just been awesome. Like, answers my call anytime I need something. And so the the Giants as an organization have been very strong, even if Jeremy Shockey was one homophobic face of the franchise 10 years ago. Yeah, those times have changed. But uh, let's before we go, let's talk about a few, we have some nice coming out stories today or this week, nothing you know, no superstar, but again, kind of just building blocks. Uh, we had a Canadian kayaker who's an Olympic hopeful. We had uh, a 16-year-old lesbian swimmer that I thought was really cool. She's one of the youngest people we've ever featured um, on our site. And today we had uh, my, my mind's zoning out. Who do we have today? Um, Ryan Bean. He's a he's a tennis player for Texas Lutheran. Yes. University and and he is is quite good actually he's one of the best players in the team he's on his own, he was only a freshman this past year the interesting piece to me is that one he grew up in rural Texas and the town of four thousand and came out while he was in high school and he talks about it's funny he wrote two drafts he wrote a draft of the story and sent it to me I'm like oh yeah you know it's interesting and then he like three days later he said you know here's another draft i figure if i'm going to do this i'm going to do this and and in the second draft was talk of him cutting himself and harming himself and you know that really i felt was a big piece of the story because i mean that stuff is going on kids are we are trying to hurt themselves because they're gay to punish themselves which is so sad yeah, just always. I think we live, you and me, in, in many ways, kind of in a bubble, you know, where we just hear good, 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 and then it's kind of like these stories kind of bring you back that just oh, a lot of people really struggle with this issue, and um, you know, I mean, even the 16-year-old swimmer, she, you know, she she didn't have anything like Ryan had, but still, it was like took her a long time to discover she, you know, that she liked girls, that she liked girls and guys, and. It's these things they go through, and they go through them pretty much alone because they don't have other people to talk to. You know, they often don't want to talk to their family or close friends just yet. So uh, these stories are always reminders that there's a lot of work to be done, but that telling a story always makes a difference because Bree, the 16-year-old, came out because Lauren Neidig came out at the University of Arizona. That was her role model, and she inspired her to write her own story. Yeah, well, we talk about, I've talked about anyway, the domino effect that I see happening and how everybody who comes out now seems to be the result of another person having come out already. And 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 to me, you know, people have talked about the importance of straight allies, but I, I've, I've maintained for years that the most important people in this movement are the LGBT people because it's those people who change hearts and minds and those people who inspire people to come out and be themselves. Straight allies are necessary to make policy change and other things, but it's those it's those it's those LGBT athletes coming out that really resonate with people who are struggling. Well, and there's a uh, there's a very young baseball, high school baseball and volleyball coach in the middle of nowhere who wants to tell his story and 
he didn't know anybody else, uh, you know, any other gay athletes or coaches. So I simply messaged Anthony Nicodemo, and now those him and this guy are chatting, and the guy was like, oh, my God, and Anthony's like a celebrity. And I said, yeah, he's been out for 13 months, you know, meaning that it's like right. that Anthony already has made such a big difference, but he's this these two coaches are able to talk as coaches do. And, you know, it makes a huge difference when you can identify with someone in your sport or your profession that shares and has gone through the same stuff. And I think that's that's the importance of it. And Brian Olson, the former Olympic biathlete who, you know, was really resistant about telling his coming out story and, you know, you you were all involved in that. Now he's totally changed or he thinks people who are gay athletes have a responsibility to come out because of the idea of being a visible role model. Yeah, yeah, I've been I talking with uh, somebody who just does not see the need to come out, like just doesn't see the reason for it, and I've been pressing upon him. Uh, and he's an elite athlete. The, the, the need to, to you know, because people, people in his sport know he's gay, and I've just been trying to convince him that the, of not to come out, but just to see how much good it will do if he does. So it's it's not it's kind of a struggle to get some particularly some of these elite male athletes just to just to see the positives of of doing that. Yeah, and I think the positive for these people is often the emails they get. You know, they have private correspondence, and we're ne- we never re- you know we hear about we don't know the details where they can just this, you know pour their pour their lives out of these people, and it makes a difference. And I know that people have you know saved people from you know maybe doing themselves some great harm. Yep. Well, in uh, in two weeks, we will be in the midst of some LGBT athletes at the Gay Games in Cleveland. Cannot wait. This will be yep. my fourth Gay Games. What, are your seventh, Jim? Yeah, I've been every, every... I didn't go to the first two, so whatever this is, seven. Yeah, seven. Oh, wow. Number nine is at seven, and we will get to tour bright and sunny Cleveland, which I can't wait for. Um, but again, if you're in the Cleveland area, if you want to head to Cleveland two weeks for the Gay Games... Get out there. For uh, Jim Bozinski, this is Sid Ziegler. We will talk to you next week.